leading a startup team, whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or getting a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture, from getting those first business cards and stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo. To learn how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all of these startup essentials and more, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Children undergoing chemotherapy often face permanent hearing loss as a result of the toxicity of these treatments. The Children's Cause for Cancer Advocacy is organizing a patient-focused drug development meeting with the FDA in September in the hopes of getting the agency to put greater consideration into the harmful effect these drugs can have and what it means for patients to lose their hearing. We spoke to Noel Uzrin, CEO of Sensorian, which will participate in the FDA meeting and is developing a treatment for sudden hearing loss that may be able to help these patients. We spoke to Uzrin about the problem of hearing loss for children receiving chemotherapy, why regulators and others may dismiss it as an unfortunate price to pay for a life-saving therapy, and how Sensorian's experimental therapy may help prevent these children from going deaf. Noel, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me and uh, spending some time on this important initiative. We're going to talk about hearing loss in kids who undergo chemotherapy, the extent of this issue, and, and how an experimental drug your company is developing may help to address that problem. I, I'd like to start with the problem itself, though. How common is hearing loss for children who undergo chemotherapy? Yeah. So... There are actually many drugs that are used uh, commonly that will generate hearing loss because of toxicity. So you have an accumulation of toxic substances in the inner ear, in the cochlea, and then people will unfortunately become deaf. And one of these drugs is actually cisplatin that is very commonly used to treat solid tumors. Um, it's a very efficacious treatment, actually, for children because we have a very high rate of survival for kids when they unfortunately suffer from solid tumors. So we have 80%, 90% survival rates, but unfortunately, at the end of the chemotherapy cycles, between 50 to 60% of the children will end up deaf. So in terms of numbers, you know, for for children, because I think this is where the uh, and the biggest unmet medical need is, it's around 8,000 kids in the U.S. and in Europe every single year. And is this unique to children, or do adults undergoing the same treatment suffer the same consequences? Yeah, so it's also, of course, valid for uh, adults. Having said that, the survival rate with cisplatin in adults 
patient population is not the same as for children. And what we see in the medical practice is that if uh, the patient is not responding after the first or the second cycle of chemotherapy, the the doctors will switch treatment and, you know, move to the second line or third line. So then it, it's somewhat more difficult to assess, um, you know, the long-term impact of cisplatin because, you know, they don't actually stick to a, a chemotherapy standard well, cisplatin. What's, what's happening in these cases? How, how do the... How does this platen damage the ability to hear? Yeah, so during chemotherapy, so you actually infuse this platen intravenous, and uh, because of that, you will have an accumulation of the platinum in organs, not only the inner ears or the, in multiple organs. But what we observe, unfortunately, is that the accumulation of platinum in cochlea, in the cochlea, will generate the death of the hair cells, which are very important for our hearing function. And then people, unfortunately, lose also the function of hearing and then become deaf. And is this a, a temporary condition or is this a, a, a permanent state? For the 50 to 60 percent of uh, people who will become deaf, or people, I would say children, it's uh, permanent, permanent and irreversible. You're working with the Children's Cause for Cancer Advocacy, a, a patient group that is helping to organize an FDA patient-focused drug development meeting. This is part yep. of an ongoing effort to get the patient voice incorporated into FDA thinking. Is there a tendency for people who don't experience hearing loss to shrug it off as a, a small price to pay for a life-saving cancer treatment? Yeah, so that's, that's what we hear, uh, from the testimonies, you know, of, uh, of the patient families. Um, so they were so grateful that actually this patient advocacy group that you just mentioned organized this very important initiative because they wanted to ma make sure, you know, that their voice were heard. And, and as you said, most of the time what we were hearing from them is that there is a shortcut. You know, people just say, you should be grateful. You know, you, your child is alive. And I, of course, I can understand, you know, that first reaction, like after being diagnosed of a solid tumor, solid cancer, and, you know, the, the child is actually um, saved thanks to cisplatin, and then, okay, maybe becomes dead. For them, it's like, as you said, it's a small price. What I think people don't understand the public doesn't understand, and maybe even in a certain extent, the FDA doesn't fully grasp. It's like, what does it mean for a child to be deaf, to become deaf? Partly, you know, when you are at this age of between zero and six years old, where you should be at your peak in terms of learning development, when you can't hear anymore, it means, you know, in particular in Occidental um, countries, you can't learn to read because the way we learn to read is that you associate the letters with a sound. It means also that your ability to acquire the language is jeopardized, you know, for the younger kids. Even, you know, we have testimonies from younger adults, like 19 years old women, that were saying, if you would ask me between, you know, speaking, having the ability to give birth or hearing again, and she's 19 years old, she said, I'd rather be able to hear again. So 
for for us it was like let's bring that voice you know let's make sure that there is like a full light so that people fully understand what does it mean to be a survivor of, of cancer with this type of adverse event what do these patients want regulators to understand i think number one is like be they want to educate the fda and the public in a more general manner of what does it mean to live uh, when you can't hear anymore, particularly when you were hearing. You know, it's, it's maybe different for congenital disorders. So the first is like education. Number two, for them, what success would look like is um, that, you know, for due drugs that are being actually developed and being approved by the FDA, they would like the regulatory authorities to also assess the safety of these drugs and and particularly autotoxicity. So we spoke about cisplatin, but there are other drugs, you know, like aminoglycosides that are also very commonly used for cystic fibrosis patients. And uh, we know that, you know, cystic fibrosis uh, patients, they suffer from pulmonary exacerbation, which is a very severe complication, and many of them will go through them. I think 17,000 patients every year in the U.S. only. And when you load them with aminoglycosides, we also know that there will be autotoxicity. And so, and some of them will end up there. And, and do doctors generally discuss this with patients before embarking on treatment, or is it just lost in a long list of potential side effects? Yeah, they, they generally, I would say generally that they will discuss it uh, most of the time. Also, they will uh, measure, you know, the audition throughout the cycles of chemotherapy. But as you said, like, how much of this will actually trigger a change in the cisplatin chemotherapy treatment? I'm not sure. And at that point, you know, I understand between, like, you know, jeopardizing maybe the efficacy of cisplatin versus the side effects. But I'm sure um, some of the oncologists will discuss it with the patients and have maybe, like, uh a good conversation between the two of them, and some other oncologists will just take, you know, the decision on their own and not change, for example, slightly not reduce the dose. Since Orient has a drug in development, Sense 401, this is being developed for sudden hearing loss and as a potential treatment for people who lose their hearing because of chemotherapy. What is Sense 401? Yeah, so for one is a 5-HT3 antagonist. It's an oral drug with some very unique calcineurin inhibition uh, characteristic. And these two things are actually very important. Um, when, so as you said, we are actually going to develop for one for two indications. The first one is sudden sensory neural hearing loss. It's a, it's a unique disease. It's a rare disease. It impacts around 200,000 patients. So from one day to another, you know, you actually lose a significant portion of your hearing in one of your ears. And it's most, in most of the time, it's irreversible too. And uh, we were also very interested in our research efforts to understand autotoxicity. And we developed, you know, autotoxicity or prevention of autotoxicity models. And we tested several candidates and we tested among several candidates, we tested for one and for one came actually the strongest in our preclinical model in terms of e efficacy. And, and in these cases, really prevention of the autotoxicity.
So it's a 5-HT free antagonist, and we inhibit uh, calcineurin. And why it's, it's important? When you look and you understand the apoptotic mechanism of action, you see that actually calcineurin is triggering the hair cell death. And when you inhibit calcineurin, it's like you slow down the hair cell process. And uh, the apoptosis process actually lasts for 14 days. So the sooner you start inhibitor, inhibiting, sorry, the better it is for either the restoration of hearing or the, even the prevention of uh, losing uh, your hearing. Uh, how exactly does the drug work? So from what we understand, you know, from the pathophysiology, uh, when the, the accumulation of cisplatin in the cochlea will trigger a signal that will trigger the health cell apoptosis, apoptotic process. And as I was telling you, what has been described most of the time is that this process will last, you know, 14 days. What we also observe, you know, for cisplatin is just toxicity that, you know, sometimes, you know, even after several months, you, you will continue to lose your hearing. So what we do with our drug is that when you trigger the hair cell apoptotic process, you actually change the homeostasis of the cells, and calcineurin is actually being released, and this actually generates and fuels the apoptotic cell process. When you inhibit and you remove the calcineurin, you know, from the process, it's like you you almost slow down, you know, the hair cell apoptotic death, death program death. How did you come to, to see this as a, a potential indication for this, this therapy? So we, we are biotech. We specialize in the development of inner ear therapy. So we are very interested in either vertigo disease or hearing uh, disease. And, of course, the prevention of toxicity is a huge unmet medical need. So we have a platform and we have actually a a research team of uh, 16 people working day and night developing, you know, in vitro and in vivo preclinical models to try to understand better the targets, the science of hearing and test, you know, different compounds. And um, as I said, you know, since for one came from the sudden sensory neural hearing loss efforts, and of course, because we are very disciplined, we always test several candidates on our preclinical model. So for that prevention of autotoxicity model, we tested among other candidates, transform one. And this is where we found out that the characteristics of that drug was preventing the hair cell death. So th this wouldn't be, this would be used prophylactically as opposed to treating a patient who suffered hearing absolutely. loss after yeah. treatment. Absolutely, You're absolutely correct, yeah. What do you know from studies to date? Uh, so I'll speak maybe about another company that is called Fennec uh, Pharmaceuticals. It's a Canadian company, and that's a company that actually was the first one to execute clinical studies for the prevention of uh, cisplatin-induced toxicity. Um, so they act what what was very important for us, you know, observing that is that in in some specific solid tumor. So they were not efficacious for every solid tumor, but in, in, a, in the hepatoblastoma, there were 
successful in demonstrating that they prevented the hearing loss at the end of the chemotherapy cycle. So this actually, this data and, uh, you know, looking at uh, all the publications they've made also educated us better in understanding, you know, what's happening when you have autotoxicity in your, in your health cells. And this, we, we of course then use that for our own preclinical models and also to actually design our uh, clinical studies. And what's the clinical path forward? So right now we want to actually go in children immediately because we think this is where uh, the biggest unmet medical need is and the regulatory authorities agree with that. We actually got granted the orphan drug designation from the U.S. FDA. Um, we have to generate additional toxicology studies, you know, and some additional um, data to make sure we understand really well the PK in, in pediatric population versus adult population. We'll be executing this in 2018 in the next uh, six months. And uh, if everything goes well, in 2019, you will see us starting, starting dosing uh, uh, children. And for people interested in the upcoming FDA Voice of the Patient meeting, where can they find out more about that? Yeah, I would actually recommend them to go uh, and look at the website of the Patient Advocacy Group. Uh, That's the Children's Cause for Cancer Advocacy? Absolutely. Uh, they could also support them, you know, uh, financially. I think it will be an open meeting, so if they want to be educated as well, they could... Uh, uh, attend or listen afterwards uh, through the webcast. Uh, as I said, you know, really the purpose uh, for for us all together, you know, with the families and the, the, the patient group and the, the industry and Centurion will not be the only company. There will be other companies supporting that cause. It's really to make sure that awareness is created around um, about, you know, the fact of of living without hearing it. And um, what we see now is that there are more and more data demonstrating that it's a huge problem, you know, impacting very severely the quality of life of people. We actually, not only due to cisplatin or the toxicity, but we are ahead of an epidemic. WHO just issued a, a report, you know, raising the red flag, saying, the way we live today is actually more noisy and people are going to be deaf by 40 years old. You know what we consider like grandma not being able to hear anymore with the presbyacusi? The way we hear, we listen to music, the way we live, you know, in this very noisy environment, what we see is that people will lose their hearing by the age of 40. So it's a huge issue because not only you can't you can't hear what we see now, you know, with actually additional publications, is that there is a disproportionate risk for people actually being impacted by hearing loss. There is a disproportionate risk of developing dementia and Alzheimer's. John Hopkins actually just published uh, this a paper this year, uh, demonstrating that you were at like I think it was a thirty percent more risk. And that's something that you could actually intuitively understand, you know, like when you, you don't hear well, you know, you isolate yourself because you're ashamed to, to actually ask people to repeat. And somewhat when you do that, you less cognitively uh, stimulated. And little by little doing that, maybe then something happens centrally in your brain. So um, 
I think it's time, you know, to to put some light on uh, on hearing and the fact that it's very important for the overall health of a person. And the science is getting ready. Companies are, you know, getting mobilized in developing new drugs. And uh, I think it's time for the industry to change standard of care. Noel Usrin, CEO of Sensorian. Noel, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and uh, putting some light on that cause. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.